0: Feminism as of late has suffered from a certain guilt by association because we conflate feminism with women who advocate feminism as part of their personal brand. When these figureheads say what we want to hear, we put them up on the feminist pedestal. And when they do something we don't like, we knock them off right we knock them right off and then say something. And then say there's something wrong with feminism because our feminist leaders have failed us. We forget the difference between feminism and professional feminists. I openly embrace the label of bad feminists. I do so because I am flawed and human. I am not terribly well versed in feminist history. I am not as well read in key feminist texts as I would like to be. I have certain interests and personality traits and opinion that may not fall in line with mainstream feminism, but I am still a feminist. I cannot tell you how free it has been to accept this about myself. I embrace the label of bad feminism because I am human. I am messy. I'm not trying to be an example. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to say I have all the answers. I'm not trying to say I'm right. I'm just trying, trying to support what I believe in, trying to do some good in this world. Trying to make some noise with my writing while being, also being myself. A woman who loves pink and likes to get freaky and sometimes dances her ass off to music she knows. She knows. It's terrible for women who sometimes play dumb with repair men because it's just easier to let them feel macho than it is to stand on the moral high ground. I'm a bad feminist because I never want to be placed on a feminist pedestal. People who are placed on pedestals are expected to pose perfectly. Then they get knocked off when they fuck it up. I regularly fuck it up. Consider me already knocked off when I was younger. Okay, let's stop there. You get the idea. Bad Feminist. By Roxanne Gay. Feminism is flawed but it offers at its best a way to navigate this shifting cultural climate. Feminism has certainly helped me find my voice. Feminism has helped me believe my voice matters, even in this world where there are so many voices demanding to be heard. This is what God has done for me. What exactly, what she says right now. That's what God has done for me. That's what my faith has done for me. It helps me find my (laughs) faith. I always knew that I started writing in 400 level and publishing articles and after a while after I grad, after I finished my NYC I deleted all those articles because I just uh, I don't think I was just trying too hard. You know, I was trying too hard and forcing it. Uh they sounded good, they sounded good but they sounded deep and while I wanted an effect i do want an effect i don't just want any effect i'm going to be huge and big and influential but i don't i don't want to always be afraid that what is my influence like what influence do i have on people and do i have to worry about that influence so that is such a heavy weight to have so if you give it to jesus and he gives you test that this is what you gotta be i know that. Okay. This guy, is responsible for like all of it. Okay, so like, cool. We're going. <laughs> We're going. And then it turns out that Jesus is so awesome. And loving God and having a God that he... Wo- not just... Okay, having a God I worship is incredible. But having God, like the God, like Jesus, crucified, resurrected, that one, is is beautiful. It's such a, it's a beautiful thing. So, I didn't want my influence to be shit. That's my good. But if feminism gave you your voice, uh, well. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. I try to keep my feminism simple. I know feminism is complex and evolving and flawed. I know feminism will not and cannot fix everything. God can fix everything. God can fix everything. I believe in equal opportunities for women and men. I believe in women having reproductive freedom. And an affordable and unfettered access to the health care they need. I believe women should be paid as much as men for doing the same work. Feminism is a choice, and if a ma- if a woman does not want to be a feminist, that is her right. But it is still my responsibility to fight for our rights. I believe feminism is grounded in supporting the choice of women, even if we wouldn't make certain choices for ourselves okay I believe feminism is grounded in supporting the choices of women even if we wouldn't make certain choices for ourselves I believe women not just in the United States but throughout the world deserve equality and freedom and but no I am in no position to tell women of other cultures what their equality and freedom should look like yourself. that art a wise woman I am in no position to tell women of other cultures what their equality and freedom should look like that is that is beautiful. I like that. Okay, I resisted feminism in my late teens and my 20s because I worried that feminism wouldn't allow me to be the mess of a woman I knew myself to be. But then I began to learn more about feminism, I learned to separate feminism from feminism with the capital letter F. Or feminists or the idea of an essential femi- of an essential feminism, one true feminism to dominate all of m- womankind. It was easier to embrace feminism when I realized it was advocating for gender equality in all realms while also making the efforts to be intersectional. To consider all the other factors that influence who we are and how we move through the world. Feminism has given me peace. Jesus asking. Feminism has given me guiding principles for how I write, how I write, how I live. Wow, that's what God does for me. I do stray from these principles, but I also know it's okay when I do not live up to my best feminist self. Wow, Jesus is the standard for me. Is my principle. father so how do you differ from feminism like this is somebody saying that our entire peace and principles and the guys are principles and how she writes and how she lives is feminism it's like a religion at this point or a face so father how do we differ from feminists because and should we be feminists page 40 Mm, no, page 10 oh no page 40 <laughs> Um, students don't know what to make of me she was talking about herself in this chapter students don't know what to make of me I wear jeans and converse I have tattoos up and down my arms I'm tall I'm not petite I'm the child of immigrants many of my students have never had a black teacher before I can't help them with that I'm the only black professor in my department this will probably never change for the whole of my career no matter where I teach I'm used to it. I wish I weren't. This There seems to be some unspoken rule about the number of academic spaces people of colour can occupy at the same time. I have grown weary of being the only one. When I was a student listening to a boring professor drone endlessly, I usually thought I would never be that teacher. One day, I was delivering a lecture and realised in that moment, I am that teacher. I stare out at the students, most of them not taking notes, giving me that's so crushing dead eye stare that tells me I wish I were anywhere but here I think I wish I were anywhere but here I talk faster and faster to put us all out of our misery I become incoherent their dead eye stares haunt me for the rest of the day, then longer <laughs> she's a lecturer mm, okay In this chapter, we're going to read a lot and maybe discuss some of the things. The chapter is titled, How to Be Friends with Another Woman. abandon the the cultural myth that all female friendships must be bitchy, toxic, or competitive. This myth is like heels and purses. Pretty, but designed to slow women down. I've heard of this myth. I don't know what this means, means. In reality, I don't know. I don't know girls like this. Okay, this is not to say women aren't bitches or toxic or competitive, sometimes, but rather to say that these are not defining characteristics of female friendship, especially as you get older. Exactly. Exactly. People are bitchy, but you know, not everybody is bitchy. You can actually have good friends and i do if you find that you're feeling bitchy toxic or competitive towards the women who are let me tell you one hack about being competitive or toxic or anything when my, mo is my friend so when i admire something in mo i compliment her a lot for it and in one way or the other something whatever you all know someone comes to you this is about to get weird but one time my, my sense of smell is not very strong but most sense of smell is really really strong like she can she can smell angels and demons so and i always found it very very weird like I can somebody this sense of smell very potent i can barely smell things around me so i keep commenting that it happened accidentally but this was a lot of the universe that i that i stumbled on so, I kept commenting, like, when she says she smells something, be like, mm, Madam, you can't smell that thing from five miles away. Well, I don't know. Things like, and I, it came from a very genuine place because I was always so surprised. Like, why is your nose like that? Before I knew it, I don't know what happened to my sense of smell, but I could smell everything. <laughs> this is no joke. I could smell every. It was annoying. Then it was a very, a very, 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 very annoying period of my life. It, it had nothing to do with my menstrual cycle. I don't have smell increase or decrease. I knew it was absolutely connected to that because I had another experience, something like that. And then I say applying that though. And anything you honor, anything that you admire and then you honor, like you really, really honor it will come to you. It will just realize that okay, you value me. I will find my way to you. That's how things do. That's how things work. And I'm talking about sense of smell, guys. Sense of smell. Something that's ridiculous. I sense. it's not. You're not ridiculous, but like something like that is not tangible. Exactly, a sense of smell, guys. But my because I did. De- It was it was distracting me. I'm not a very don't change my (laughs) the way my body works. It wasn't nice for me. It was too much, too potent. So I can't imagine going around with your nose on hundred all day. How is more doing? (laughs) But it came down it came down a lot, but it didn't go down to the level that I used to be. So I smell things better, but it's not distracting, doesn't overwhelm my other senses. At that time it's used to overwhelm all my sense. Or maybe... Maybe my body just adjusted to it. Not that it went away. <laughs> that could be another thing. But I just thought it, it went down. And then I could... Taste better and do other things. Instead of just smelling things for several hours. <sighs> it was such a... I don't even know how to describe it. So, I've given you a hack... About competition. Just admire it. There's nothing wrong with admiring things. And you don't even necessarily have to absorb everything that your friend is good at. You could just acknowledge that oh my friend is really, really good at this and I am good at this. Or oh, this is how my friend dresses and she looks so cool. But this other way of dressing looks better looks better on me. This one looks better on her, this one looks better on me. Just acknowledge things like that. Give her a compliment. Tell her she's pretty, you know. That's how you avoid all those things. That's how you become the mature friend. And people good people anyway, technically Um, not technically, they usually um, reciprocate the things that you do. So when you are that friend that comes in and tells them, oh, you look pretty, you look nice, they will generally want to tell you that you look pretty too. That's how things work. A lot of ink is given over to mythologizing female friendships as curious, fragile relationships that are always intensely fraught stop reading writing that encourages this mythology if you are the kind of woman who says I am mostly friends with guys and act like you are proud of that like that makes you closer to being a man or something and less of a woman as if being a woman is a bad thing see I them won't be and that one is if you find that you are feeling bitchy toxic or something something it's okay if most of your friends are guys but if you champion this as a commentary on the nature of female friendships, well, so such a little. I agree with that. I came to realize also that that, that was not a compliment. <laughs> like saying that, oh, I'm more friends with guys. And I used to be friends with more guys than girls. But now I only. I'm still I don't even know if I'm more friends with guys or boys. I just know that the one active relationship, like, really, 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 really active. The most active relationship in my life is with a girl. Right now. I, and it's just that one girl. Like, I call my other friends, to keep in touch with boys, girls. I talk to them. I think I even have more casual boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, but my one very active relationship is with a girl. Right now. Mm. So, don't oh, just go around. It's okay if your friends, like she said, it's okay if all of them are guys i don't think it's okay if all of them are guys but it's okay if you have more guy friends and girlfriends um but you know don't think that 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 makes you better than other women if you feel like it's hard to be friends with women consider that maybe women aren't the problem maybe it's just you true i used to be this kind of woman i'm sorry to judge Sometimes your friend will date date people you cannot stand. You can either be honest about your feelings or you can lie. There are good reasons for both. both. Sometimes you be the person dating someone your friend cannot stand. If your man or woman is a scrub, just own it so you and your friends can talk about more interesting things. My go-to explanation is I'm dating an asshole because I'm lazy. You are welcome to borrow it. I uh, do not know about that. <laughs> want nothing wants nothing but the best for your friends because when your friends are happy and successful, it's probably going to be easier for you to be happy one time I don't know if I should be sharing this part, let me keep it to myself if you're having a rough go, if you're having a rough go of it and your friend is having the best year ever and you need to think some dark thoughts about it. Do it alone with your therapist or your diary. So that when you actually see your friend, you cannot, you can avoid the mis-discussed in item 1. That's Don't be bitchy toxic to your friends. If you and your friends are in the same field and you can collaborate or help each other, do this without shame. It's not your fault. Your friends are awesome. Men invented nepotism and practically live by it. It's okay for women to do it too. Actually, yeah. I believe in nepotism. I don't believe in nepotism where um, they are not qualified like at all, at all. Like, you know for, for a fact that they are not even fast learners that you can say, well, let me help you, you, should, you learn fast. They are not fast learners. They are just downright irresponsible. That, that That's just, that's criminal. That's not fair. But if you have like five spaces in your workplace and you have a cousin that needs help, I think you should help your cousin, especially if they they are competent people. You should help your cousin and leave the other the other four space for the other spaces for other people. But you should employ your cousin. Your position should work. That's the point of family members and knowing people that are connected. That's how it works. People put other people like they bless other people and put them in positions. You'll be a blessing to your family member. I'm not Preaching the one that outside people there's there will be so many reasons behind why there are so many outside people in like top governmental um offices. But all of us what we always just do as a country is interpret it as they are taking over the country, which is largely true, true to like a large extent. But we should also remember that like there are some many reasons for it. We we wouldn't even complain so much because those offices are over there. There are not many people so for sure the probability that there are more outsiders around that place than Igbo or Yoruba people is quite high and aside that they also put their family members there I'm not saying they are not putting it to take over the country mind that they are I'm sure they have those intentions but also think about it in so many other ways so that we're not just criminalizing things that are just everyday lifestyle. So yes, yes to nepotism, my part too. Help your family members. That's why, that may be why you've been placed wherever you've been placed. Help your friends. <laughs> Don't tear other women down. Because even if they are not your friends, they are women. And this is just as important. This is not to say you cannot criticize other women. But understand the difference between criticizing constructively and tearing them cruelly. This should be everybody. It's a rule for everybody. Don't criticize everybody um don't tear people down necessarily kids babies that I don't even know what they are saying, um men, women, children, everybody. Everybody gossips. So if you're going to gossip about your friends, at least make it fun and interesting. Ah. Don't never say I never lie or I never gossip because you are lying. Oh. I'm stranded. <laughs> Love your friends, kids. Even if you don't what does gossip mean? Because I'm about to say I don't gossip and she's about to tell me that I'm lying. So I know that ever since I was a child, I've I hated gossiping. Um people didn't give me gs to my secondary school. I went to boarding girls' school. I was more or less an outcast. I I wasn't like in there. I was not necessarily out there. I just existed. I had friends, but I also just existed. I I wasn't part of the or, or having boyfriends in the other school, or part of the. And I didn't gossip about that. I was very busy reading all the novels that I could find. So and now I think the most like I say that I gossip is with more on when we discuss things that affect us and people, but actually gossip like, uh, and nah, I mean, I can't even say it, like, no. The old line, the other line partner, will say consciously, no, but like, be- before you can stop yourself and a lie slips out, maybe you're supposed to be a yes and you say no, or you're supposed to be a maybe, and then you say yes, things like that. And I think, I see, is there anybody that I consciously lie to? the person that I used to consciously lie to like make up a lie to used to be my mom and usually when I come home late or something but now I don't even i ever go anywhere so I'm thinking who do I lie to do I lie to people maybe I'm still lying to myself who tell? probably there's some lie that I still believe so I'm technically still lying so on that part I can still say okay yeah but about gossiping I don't think I can agree with this lady I don't, I don't think so I don't think so. Um, love your friends, kids, even if you don't want or like children. Just do it. Tell your friends the hard truth. They need to hear. They may get pissed about it, but it's probably for their own good. Once my best, Once, my best friend told me to get my love life together and demanded an action plan. It was irritating, but also useful don't be totally rude about truth telling and consider how much truth is actually needed to get the job done finesse goes a long way okay these conversations are more fun when preceded with an emphatic girl like yes i know what she means we <laughs> won't start just saying it's like go <laughs> your girl immediately knows like what 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 why? tell me <laughs> Surround yourself with women who can get sloppy drunk um, with who won't draw stupid things on your face if you pass out and who will help you puke if you over-celebrate and who will also tell you if you get sloppy drunk too much or behave badly when you are sloppy drunk. Don't get sloppy drunk. Don't flirt, have sex, or engage in emotional affairs with your friends, significant others. This shouldn't need to be said, but it needs to be said. That significant other is an asshole and you don't want to be involved with an asshole who is, who is used goods. If you want to be with an asshole, get a fresh asshole of your own. They are abundant. Wow. She's not lying. Don't let your friends buy ugly outfits or assertions you don't want to look at when you hang out. This is just common sense. When someone, <laughs> when someone is wrong and you need to tell talk to your friends and they ask you how you are, don't say fine they know you're lying and it irritates them and a lot of time it's it's wasted with the back and forth are you sure and yes and really and i am fine tell your lady friends the truth so that you can talk it out and it so companion companion be or move on to other topics if four people are dining please check evenly four ways we're adults now we don't need to adopt what each person add anyway if you're high rolling just treat everyone and rotate who treats if you're still in the broke stage do what you have to do uh i think that that should be up to what to the people if a friend sends a crazy email needing reassurance about love life family or work respond accordingly and in a timely manner and even if it's just the girl i hear you if a friend sends you like 30 crazy emails needing reassurance about the same damn be patient because one day that's going to be you tearing up Jimmy with your drama. My mother's favorite, favorite, certain, favorite saying is, resemble, what? Whenever she didn't approve of who I was spending time with, she would say this ominously. It means, essentially, you are whom you surround yourself with he says "Resemble, resembles Kiss he "Resemble, assemble what is this woman saying okay we're done with that chapter we read the entire chapter clap for us clap for us mm. just listen to this it's just a bit sweet in 1984 Vanessa williams became miss america She would later have to step down because of a nude photo scandal. But when she was first crowned, it was an amazing moment for black girls everywhere. Williams was the first black woman to wear the Miss American Crown, the pageant's 63 years history. I was not the kind of girl who cared much about pageants or being a beauty queen. But watching Williams and her perfect cheekbones and glittering teeth as she accepted the crown gave girls like me ideas. That moment made us believe we too could be beautiful. Weather Nessa Williams offered black girls a new image of who the all American girl could be. The most traditional image of the all American girl could be found in Sweet Valley, an idyllic town in sunny Southern California where the lawns are perfectly manicured. Everyone is fit and beautiful and successful, as in the case in most perfect places. Life in Sweet Valley is episodic. It's from a book. I just want to read them so there was one particular group of golden popular kids at my school. Then every school an interchangeable infestation of good jeans and big smiles and perfect hair and guess or gilbert jeans. I don't remember much about grade school, but I remember the first and last names of the popular kids. If I returned to my childhood neighborhood, I could point out their homes and other geographical points of interest. I watched the popular kids all the time, trying to figure out how to breathe the air in their atmosphere. They were so American and therefore exotic because they had freedoms I did not. I was a different kind of American. I had conservative Haitian parents who wanted the best for their kids, but were also very wary of American permissiveness. I was American at at school and 18 at home. This required negotiating a fine balance and I was a clumsy person. There is nothing more desperate and unrecruited than the love and unpopular girl not just for the cool kids. One day, the kids in the popular clique were teasing me about what I do not remember. I got angrier and angrier and as it taunted me, not only because they were teasing me, but also because I was so painfully aware of the Gaping distance between where we were and where I wanted us to be. Walking through the mall arm in arm or sharing secrets at a slum party or gossiping about cute boys. I liked the mall. Also, gossiping about cute boys. You can't just talk about cute boys. If that's what gossiping is, then my friend and I gossip. He gossip a lot. <laughs> about many things, then. Not just boys, then many people if that's what gossiping is i liked i thought gossiping would be somewhat malicious and like um i liked the mall i had secrets i liked cute boys that day though i needed to come up with a snappy retort to show them they couldn't push me around to show them i was cool to to stand my ground i pointed my fingers at them i shouted one day just you wait and see i'm going to be miss america that was my mother's nickname for me, Miss America. I'm a beloved firstborn. A first child born in this America's United States. I loved my nickname. Those popular kids laughed and laughed. For the rest of that year and into the next, they teased me mercilessly about being Miss America, asking how my campaign was going, making comments about sashes and crowns, prancing around in front of me during the Miss American wave. They incorporated props. Those kids made it clear I didn't have a shot in hell at the crown. But I'm stubborn. Vanessa Williams had won Miss America, so I began to sincerely believe I was going to become Miss America. I reminded my classmates of my belief regularly. <laughs> wow. Which only f- f- um, followed their petty torments. I have no idea where I was going with that strategy. Hmm. She didn't become Miss America, though. Like many writers, I lived inside of a book. I lived inside of books as a child, like like me. I read a lot as a child. Inside books, I could get away from the impossible things I had to deal with. When I read, I was never lonely or tormented or scared. I read everything I could get my answer. And my parents indulged and encouraged me. So did mine. They were strict about things like television and grades. So, so, mm, me too. But they never censored my reading, reading material or questioned my love of sweet valley. When I I bought my first romance novel, my dad took it from me. Um, But my mom read, like, the first two chapters and then gave it back to me. We moved around a lot for my father's job, but Sweet Valley never moved and the people never changed. The kids in Sweet Valley were a constant and in a small, poignant way. Point way they were my friends. She just fell in love with the books, and she realizes now that they weren't the best. <laughs> you know, when you read something as a child, and then you grow up as an adult and you read it and you realize, ah, oh, this thing was full of shit. Um, but you enjoy it as a child, so yeah, still thankful for it. Those those were the books that saved that childhood, somewhat. Um, the next page, 99. In our groundbreaking book, Gender Trouble, Judith Butler, we've seen that name a couple of times, asserts that gender is a performance. Gender is a performance, male-female performance. An unstable identity that forms throughout it is performed over and over. She writes, Gender ought not to be construed as a stable identity or locus of agency from which various acts follow. Rather, gender is an identity, tenuously constructed in time, instituted in an exterior space through a stylized repetition of acts. The effects of gender is produced through the stylization of the body, and hence must be understood as the mundane way in which bodily gestures, movement, and styles of various kinds constitute the illusion of an abiding gendered self. While our conceptions of gender have evolved since the publication of Gender Trouble, there's a lot to be said for Butler's theory, particularly when it comes to the ways in which women knowingly or unknowingly perform femininity and the ways in which women are sometimes trapped by how they are expected to perform their gender. In popular culture, the world often feels like a stage on which women perform, and no novel in recent memory has captured this performance. Um, Alfred can be better. Alfred can be better than Kate Zambreno's Green Girl. The best word to describe green girl is searing. Um, the novel is at once a compelling narrative about a young American woman living in London and an indictment of what ails our culture. Rampart consum- consumerism, shallow email connection, and most of all, the cult of beauty and the unbearable and impossible constraints of gender. A culture where women wear their faces as masks, their bodies as shields. Throughout the novel, the green girl is as foolishly bold as she is vulnerable. She inhibits her contradictions in deeply seductive ways. If, as Butler believes, gender is a performance, green girl is a novel about a young woman who is learning how to perform her femininity. She is learning the power of it, the fragility. Her education is, at times, painful. The green girl is as vicious as she is vulnerable. And Zambrano deftly exposes both this viciousness and vulnerability in her protagonist. Green girl reveals the intimate awareness many people, many women, have about the ways they are on display when they move in public. About the ways they perform their roles as women. The awareness on the train. The fashion show. The... The men are always looking, always looking with their flirty eyes. One can shop but does not have to buy. But sometimes, life in the spotlight can be difficult. Sometimes, she wants to be invisible. In Green Girl, Ruth is playing the the part of girl. A performance at times stands in place of her identity as Ruth realizes. Sometimes, she is struck by the sense that she is someone else's character. she is saying someone else's lines the green girl also does one thing and feels another because the passivity of the green girl masquerades as politeness she wants to put her fist through a window but doesn't because she knows that's not what is expected of a green girl she knows she's beautiful but does not does not necessarily feel her beauty inside sorry throughout the novel these tensions are brightly exposed over and over. At times, the novel makes it seem that to be a green girl is to be in a rather hopeless predicament. Ruth is a shop girl responsible for selling a perfume, Desire. She's, the name of the perfume is Desire. She's always on display at work while also part of the scenery. One morning at work, she observed a group of teenage girls. Well, quoting from the book? The girls slicking up the aisles have rehearsed equality to them their purses positioned just so on their so- on their shoulders their eyes downcast yet somehow watchful they cannot escape this self-awareness they are playing the role of young girls girls younger than ruth the end of quote there's an irony in ruth's observations throughout the novel she plays the role of the young woman and her self-awareness and at times self-loathing is palpable and as inescapable as self-awareness she sees in those teenage girls the also demonstrates the self-absorption and vanity of the green girl her insecurities the masks she wears her conflicting desires at times Ruth wants to shield herself from the gaze of strangers. She closes in on herself, tries to occupy as little space as possible, whether walking down the street or taking the tube. At other times, she wants to be seen, desired, loved. She is, at one point, willing to exploit herself to an unnamed former lover. She prays to be preyed upon. She is a dare standing in the middle of the forest road, knees buckling, buckling, begging for a predator. Ruth, like so many of us, wants everything all at once. Though this is a novel about women, there are indeed men in Green Girl. The man at work, Ruth longs for, the brutal formal lover she longs for, the seemingly platonic lover she yearns for until they consummate their relationship, at which point she longs for something else. Ruth has desires, but those desires seem largely removed, lacking in immediacy, and rarely do. Rarely do these desires come into sharp relief. When Ruth has sex, she is often in a detached manner. A partners rather incidental to the act. Ruth herself incidental to the act. Ruth has an as as hmm? she has an assignation with a bartender in the supply room of the bar, a detachment finely honed. She is the voyeur of herself, Ruth observes. And later, when Ruth and the bartender are fucking, she has, uh, she has se- she has seen it all before, as even a dream, but she's not really there, not really. Okay, more than anything, Green Girl is relentless in what she reviews about the Green Girl and her inner life—the emptiness and loneliness the naked violence of it how she must swallow it deep deep inside the novel makes it seem like there's a green girl inside all of us as desperately fragile as she is resilient the green girl is able to understand the damage she does to herself even if she does nothing to prevent it if it is a woman as green girl rising maria yas in joan didion's equally scorching Play it as it lays. Play it as it lays is the title of the book. Is the green girl as she falls? So the green girl is as she, the green girl as she tires of playing the part of girl. The green girl as she decides decides to stop playing the part of girl because she no longer has any need or perhaps desire to do it. Even though Play it as it lays was published in 1970, little has changed when it co- changed when it comes to woman a spectacle Maria is tormented and a bit tragic but there is tenacity about her the novel chronicles Maria's descent into madness after having an abortion at the bidding of her estranged husband her descent is more controlled you might, than you might imagine Plays at the least requires a complex web of relationships among Maria and her husband Carter their friend Helen and busy a lover Les Goodwin and our former lover Ivan Costello Excuse me. And also discloses how those how these people break themselves against one another in rather terrible ways. There's also a young daughter, Kate, suffering from an unexpected condition and living at the facility area from home. A daughter Maria openly yearns for her, and who is the one person in the novel for whom she desperately she demonstrates genuine affection. Like Ruth. In the first book, like Ruth, the green girl, Maria, as a never quite model and actress is always on display and aware of it, craving the attention as much as she despises it. Living in Hollywood, she is like Ruth in the store where she works, just another part of the scenery of desperation and drugged women who, as Maria referred to her own beauty, looked all right and moved through their lives playing the proper part. Like Ruth, Maria is self-absorbed and selfish, but she has a stronger awareness of these flaws. She enjoys watching a movie she starred in because the girl on the screen seemed to have a definite knack for controlling her own destiny. Just as Ruth often feels like she is someone else's character, Maria as an actress has has had opportunities to become someone else's character to similar effects. As a fading green girl, Maria remains detached. She loves her daughter and mourns her mother. But, but like with Ruth in Girl, she approaches most of her relationships clinically with a bemused detachment. She rarely indicates a genuine interest in preserving her marriage and has little tolerance for the men in her life. When her lover Les leaves three messages, she asks her uh, answering machine to tell him she hasn't picked up her messages because she has nothing to say to any of them. After she has an abortion, she meets Les Goodwin and he asks what's wrong with her. Um she says I'm just very, very, very tired of listening to you all. What the people in her life label throughout the novel as insanity or selfishness reads quite clearly as weariness, a weariness of playing a part properly, of being on display, of being the engineering and and good green girl it goes on and on about the um distinctions between those two women in the book in the two books like one is a proper green girl the other one is a green girl who is forsaking a green girl who is so um Uh well as I was reading the author's comment that um I understand the green girl thing. As women we're just very aware when people are watching us and we were we've always been just aware. <laughs> always been just aware. I think is this this has to be everybody, just go out on the street and if you watched but the reason why women feel watched is because I don't know why women feel watched. This is, I don't feel like that anymore. I feel very confident walking on the street. Yeah. I'm getting tired, so I'm getting the end here. Let me see what I have. Oh. Um, is there again about... Other types of feminists, but since I have run out of time that I allotted for this podcast, I for this episode, I mean, I'm going to stop here. Um, I was able to complete the book, anyway, so um, I won't be able to provide a comprehensive take on it. But there are just some things that I agree with, some things I don't agree with. It's a mix of ideas. I'm still trying to figure out what God is saying about this. Um, exactly. You know, because some things are good, some things are bad. <laughs> Not bad, but some things are just. I need to read more. This is just my first day, Monday. So I'll read more. I'll pray more. I'll ask God more. Ask God more and we'll see where it leads us a day or night it's night here good night love you